Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast a podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture. Because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. And welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb. And with me today, I have Vivek Patel, who's come back for a second episode with us. He, If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that one first, because it will give you the lead up story to where Vivek and I will take the episode today. So welcome back, Vivek. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you here. And I am still actually getting my head around this whole idea of the iceberg imagery in my head. Cause I know uh-huh. for me that that whole frustration that you feel when you've decided that, you know, you can be so sure, you know, your baby, you might be trying to follow all their lead and, and you can see that they're getting tired and yet you're not having any luck at all. And you, you can feel that building for you. Yeah. What would you say is a good way to catch yourself in that moment and then perhaps unpack it a bit more to see what might be lying underneath that iceberg? Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that idea of catching it in the moment because that's where so much of the moment to moment power comes in. You know, I think there's there's like a philosophical side of it where we think this is how I want to do things. But then in the moment that can fall apart, you know, because we have our own reactions and stuff. And I'm still, I still go through that after, after, you know, 25 years of, of practicing this. Um, so the, in the moment stuff is really important. And I think one of the things for in the moment is we can prepare for the moment when we're not in the moment. And I think that's really helpful. And one of the things that I teach parents, which I, developed organically in my own experience from having to deal with that is what I call it the three micro practices, which I'd like to share with you. The, uh, the first one is the, well, the three of them are the micro meditation, the micro self-compassion and the micro self-observation. And so the micro meditation is a one breath meditation. And I love it because it's the shortest possible meditation. I mean, I suppose you could do a half a breath, but it's the shortest possible meditation that you can do. You don't have to sit with incense and candles for, uh, you know, in a gong for a half hour in lotus position. It's really just taking one breath. And so what I do is 
um, when I'm practicing it, so I practice it in different moments in non-intense moments. So I practice it when I'm washing the dishes or I practice it when I'm picking up a toy off the floor or I'm practicing it when I'm opening a door and I'll just stop for a moment. Like if I'm opening the door, I'll just I'll have my hand on the, the doorknob and instead of turning it right away, I'll feel the texture of the doorknob. I'll feel my feet on the ground and I'll just close my eyes and I'll go. And then I go on. And that's it, you know, and then I'll do it again and I'll do it again. And what happens is in the moment when I'm feeling frustrated, because I've been practicing this, it comes to me in that moment. And I'm about to be frustrated and my, I can feel the tension and I'll go. And I'm able to center again. And the second one is, so taking a breath, basically the short form of way is taking a breath, but I like thinking of it as a micro meditation because it's really like, then it's not just a breath, it's a conscious breath. It's a breath that connects me with myself, that connects me with my inner silence. And because I have practiced it a little bit, um, it connects me to all those moments of practice. That's the beautiful thing about practice. Today I wrote uh, in a response to someone, I said, practice is a lifelong practice. <laughs> and I really like that. And I love practice as a martial artist and a dancer, you know, practice is something so, so vital. And, uh, and so practicing the micro meditation really helps. The second is micro self-compassion and micro self-compassion is really powerful. Self-compassion is really powerful because when we are compassionate with ourselves, Oh, it settles our system in a way, you know, because we can have so much judgment for ourselves, so much wrongness, especially if we're trying to be gentle parents and then we yell and we get frustrated, you know, and then we like come down on ourselves and we can feel really terrible. And then we think, why am I even a parent? I don't, my kid doesn't even deserve, I don't deserve it. You know, they don't, when we're saying they don't, they don't deserve to have me as a parent. That sounds like that's, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they don't deserve you. Don't deserve to have me as a parent. That's not what I, mean. I mean the opposite. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Everybody knows yeah. what I mean. And uh, and so we can get caught up in that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so the micro- it really spirals, doesn't it? It's such a downward spiral, you know. And self compassion turns uh, a downward spiral into an upward spiral. And I love the upward spiral. I talk about the upward spiral all the time. We can, we can choose to shift downward spirals into upward spirals with a few different mindset shifts. And so this, the, the self-compassion, what happened, the micro self-compassion, again, I practiced it throughout the day. So like, let's, I, both in di- challenging moments and in beautiful, uh, happy moments, I'll, I'll take a moment and I'll just say, Vivek, you're doing okay. You're trying your best. You're dealing with a lot. You know, you, my, my, a moment of kind of kindness to myself. I'm here for you. I love you. You know, I care about you. You, you're, 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 you're a loving person. And I'll say things like that to myself. Right. But again, it's just, it's just one, like, let's say I'm trying to open a jar of pickles. This happens to me. I try and open a jar of pickles and it won't open. And I twist a little hard and I get frustrated and I'm like, Arr! and that, Arr! is frustration at failure. Like, why, why did I fail? Why can't I do this? Life is getting to me again. And it's another thing that's obstructing me in my life and like failing again. I mean, it's just pickles, right? But no, it's more than pickles, right? Yeah, it's more than- and uh, it's always more than pickles. It goes back to the iceberg, doesn't it? Thank you. That's exactly it. And this is one of the things that the self-compassion does is it makes us aware of our own iceberg and give us compassion for us having this huge iceberg. I mean, I was 28. When my kid came along, I had a lot of years of pain and struggle 
you know, I talked in the last episode about my uh, my upbringing was very, very challenging and violent in a lot of ways and uh, being bullied and, and picked on quite relentlessly in uh, junior high school um, and uh, and just on and on and on. And so all of that stuff uh, was in me. Right. And so the micro self-compassion gives me that moment of saying, you know, it's okay that you're struggling with ache. You're human. I call myself a mistake making machine because it reminds me that that's a part of being human, you know? Absolutely. If you're not making mistakes, you can hardly be living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I say, if you're not making mistakes, you're not on your learning edge. Oh, and yeah, I always want to be on my learning edge. Yeah. And I'm just thinking with this self-compassion side of things too, it's very much um, because when you're a parent, especially with a little person, it can feel really lonely because so much of what's going on is, is, you know, done relatively privately. And so being able to be a witness for yourself, for the struggle that you're in Mm. or the challenges you're facing, but also how well you're actually doing. Sometimes Mm. you can only be your own witness because you're the only person there who can do that. So it's really powerful, that self-compassion element for what's so often unseen effort. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly it. And you know, if you're trying to be a gentle parent in a society, then you're surrounded with people telling you to set limits on your kid and set boundaries on your kid and give consequences to your kid. It feels even more lonely because there's nobody you can really turn to, you know, like when I was, when we were going through it, not only could I not turn to anybody, everybody was always criticizing us, you know, because oh, they're we waiting were... for you. They're waiting to hear that you're having trouble so they can <laughs> yeah. tell you this is why. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's still definitely a challenge many families are facing. And it's really unfair because being able to voice your struggles uh, should be something that you can do in safety. But for many people, there's very few places where they can safely express how they're feeling about their situation without being attacked. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I had a I had a parent crying to me about that just last night, you know, when we spent an hour together and, you know, I would say 50 minutes of the hour was was holding space for that for that pain. You know, we didn't jump into solutions right away. It was really about, um, you know, that creating that that space of compassion, holding compassionate space for, for the struggle. So the micro I mean, I also I've mentioned before that I do a, a meditation every Friday and one of the for the for the people in my membership group and one of the. Um, meditations is self-compassion meditation. We spend the whole hour giving ourselves self-compassion, right? We do one for the, one for the um, body where we give our bodies, different parts of our body, compassion and love. And we do one for ourselves and we do it for the adult self and we do it for the child self. And we have all these different ways of doing it. But the micro self-compassion is just a, is just a moment, you know? And so you practice that. So then again, in the moment you take that, you feeling frustrated, you take that breath you say, it's reasonable that I would be frustrated right now. Of course it's reasonable. I'm human. It don't have to go on and on because you don't really have time in that moment, right? It's just that much. And the third one is the micro self-observation. And it's a little bit different. The self-observation is where I see myself from kind of outside my body. And I imagine that I can see I'm like, I'm like, so right now I'm talking. Now I'm watching myself talk. (laughs) It's a little different because I'm noticing myself and I can see my posture and I notice my hand moving and I'm like noticing things I wouldn't notice when I'm just in it. So the micro self observation is I just take moments throughout the day where I try and observe myself and I observe not only myself, but my environment and kind of the system that I'm in. I observe my kid because observing my kid from inside my head is a little bit different than observing me and my kid from outside. And it gives me this other... Um, I won't say objective, but let's say 
uh, less involved in a way or less, uh, I don't know what the right word for it is. Like you should step away a little bit. That's exactly it. And then I can kind of see, because then I see myself. I'm not like not valuing myself by, I'm not like distancing myself. It's not that kind of observation, but I'm seeing myself and I'm seeing my kid. And I, and so the self-observation really helps because then we notice I'm getting tense right now. I'm about to yell. You may not notice that without the self-observation, right? Or even I'm about to, I'm about to even not even yell necessarily, but I'm about to make a choice that's going to be disconnected, make a choice that's going to make my kid feel less safe. And then I, those three, so we practice those three during the day. And then in the moment they come out almost rapid fire. I notice. So the self-observation happens usually first. I notice first. And then I take that breath and then I give myself a moment of compassion. And all of that, if you practice, all of that can happen within a second or two. And that helps us re rebalance ourselves, you know, and I find that as an incredible, the parents that I work with on a weekly basis, when they practice this, um, they actually find that it has a transformative power on the way that they respond to their kids. All of a sudden they find that they're noticing these, like when the yell is coming, they're noticing it way earlier than they would have otherwise, you know, and, and, and catching those things earlier. It gives us a huge, um, a huge edge on, on our, on our, on choosing our reactions. Absolutely. And, then, and especially like once it kind of tips past the point, like that's, you know, there's plenty of occasions where I've tipped past the point and I've really needed to walk away, yeah. regroup myself. Whereas if you yeah. can kind of catch it that little bit beforehand, you might not have even needed to do the walk away. The walk away is a legitimate option. If you've gone like, you know, that's always an option if yeah. you need to get some space, but yeah. it, ideally, wouldn't it be great if you could catch it long before you get to that point? Yeah. And that's a practice for sure. I used to run, I, I used to call it run. <laughs> I say run, but make, as soon as I would notice it, I would, I would notice it even a little bit. And I knew I was past that point. I would run. I would, even if it would like shock my kid, I would rather her, her shocked about that than shocked with me yelling at her. Right. So I'd run into the bedroom. I would bury my face in the pillow and I would scream into my pillow, thrash around on the bed. Literally. I did this on a regular basis, thrash around on the bed. That pillow saw a lot of that pillow could talk. <laughs> I often wonder where that pillow is now. I really do. And, uh, and so, so, and then I would come out or I would go into the, into the bathroom and I would soak my head in cold water. That was the other one yes, that I would do. Flashing face. Yep. And, uh, also and those were grass under my toes and ah. just stand. Mm. I needed grass. Like it was mm. very, I, I would do the bolt out the door. Yeah, Otherwise, like bare that. feet, grass on my toes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a lot of, I think that's one of the beautiful things is, we can take these ideas and then we can figure out for our own temperaments, what really works for us, right? What, yeah, what, what feels good moment. for you, yeah. what would actually give you that, that yeah. help you to stop the downward spiral and start right. to work back up again. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Amazing. And it's good to know. I think for people listening along that you can hear even somebody who practices these things and, and you've had so much experience with it yeah, there were yeah. still times when you went past the point and you needed oh. to go to your next level of leaving oh, the room and having yeah. a good scream because i think that's another bit where we kind of get the message that if we're really good at this gentle parenting business we're not going to do that anymore right but it's not always the case yeah for sure for sure because humans are, are we're complex beings you know and our emotions are complex you know very complex multi-dimensional our emotions live in our bodies they're in our minds 
Um, there's a mental component, an emotional component, a physical component. Uh, our kids remind us of our own childhood, and that's very challenging. And then we're reminded of our parents. And often when a parent and a child are arguing, it's not an adult and a child. It's like two four-year-olds arguing, right? It's the inner four-year-old and the outer four-year-old arguing. And yeah. so it's like there's a lot of complex stuff happening. And so that's why like having you, – you can't, you can't, we can't not – make a mistake we can't not lose it you know it's just not it's not it's hardly possible i will say you know it's and like it, it, no one's yeah, perfect yeah yeah that's not exactly to mention it. that's not a good model for you for our children either if we if we right. are this picture of calm skating across the surface all of their lives how are they going to be feeling as as whole humans as well when they can't maintain that kind of level themselves right. um yeah I, i've seen that range of emotion in their person is also important yeah for sure and the key for us is the key for the way i think is that when i express my big emotions to in front of my kid i want to make it feel as much as possible safe for them because if it feels unsafe, they're actually learning the opposite. They're actually learning that emotions are unsafe, right? So there's like a balance there. Yeah. Um, there's, an, there's a way and an amount to express our feelings vulnerably and honestly with our kids where they learn that this is how humans work. And there's a way to do it where they learn like, I better shut off my emotions because it's clearly not safe. And that's what yeah. happened to me. It took me years to reclaim my ability to feel. I was such an emotional young, young kid. I asked my mom about it, you know, and I was a very emotional. I had a lot of emotions as a young person and I was crying and, and like, and then, but at some point I really shut all of that down, you know, and, uh, yeah. and through my teen years and into my early twenties, in a lot of ways, I shut a lot of that down. And so I knew that I, in order to reclaim it, in order to open myself back up to it, I had to go through a conscious process of bringing that back into my life. And now I cry at the drop of a hat. You know, I'm very emotional. I'm an emotional guy. And I can see that emotional vulnerability is a strength now, which I couldn't see it when I was younger, you know. And, uh, and so I really want to, uh, to make sure that that's something that I help parents with also like really honoring their emotions. And, uh, and feeling them so that they don't feel bad about them too. Cause I don't want, uh, shame doesn't help us. You know, I, one of my sayings is change does not require shame. And shame is like a, it's a killer for us when we're, we're on a path of, uh, of wanting to grow and learn about ourselves. And then we make mistakes and we just, it's just, it's terrible. So I would much rather, um, I would much rather that I learn to be compassionate with myself about my mistakes. So that my kid learns to be compassionate and then the, and then the re, um, the reconnection process is so powerful, you know, like my kid and I would have, even to this day, we have lots of disconnections that happen. It's part of just being human. You know, I have my thoughts. She has her thoughts. I have my perspective. She has her perspective and they bump up against each other. But after many years, we have a faith in each other. We have a trust in each other that we'll get through it because we've done the reconnection process so many times and done it really effectively and done it with a lot of um, patience and compassion, uh, that we both know that that's going to happen. You know, sometimes I like when I'm like harsh with her, cause it still happens. Even now it happens. Um, when I'm harsh with her or something, I'm like, she's never, she's going to hate me. You know, I get this like terror in me and I'm like, no, Vivek, trust your relationship, trust the process. And then I have to calm little Vivek who, who was rejected over and over again. So then like the feeling is valid. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it. It's a real feeling. So then I guide little Vivek back to a place of center. Then I go to her and I say, hey, let's talk about this. And then we can talk about it. And we can, she shares her stuff. I share my stuff. And we really have this way of, and now she's 24. She really honors my, my emotional state too. She holds a lot of space for my emotional state. You know, it's amazing. It's not something that I, 
uh, ever expected her to do or wanted her to do in the sense of like, you know, uh, she had to do it. But it became a natural outgrowth of being treated that way, having having experienced someone consistently holding space. Uh, you know, I don't call it unconditional acceptance. I call it minimally conditional acceptance because it's never going to be unconditional. But I always strove for as minimally conditional uh, acceptance as possible. Um, now she reflects that back to me. And it's such a beautiful we have such a beautiful dynamic now. Um, and actually, when we now as a 24 year old, when we go out and interact with people, uh, a lot of the time we have to pull out our ideas to prove that we're father and child, uh, father and, and daughter, because people just don't believe it because they don't see uh, uh, adult children and their parents interacting the way we do because we're just like cool with each other you know we're friends <laughs> it's it's such a bizarre thing for people and uh yeah. and so yeah. i think for like people listening along that's a beautiful thing to hear too for for how a relationship can shape up over a because you know for most people listening along they've got tiny babies in their family right now right. and so yeah. here you know 24 hours of uh, 24 hours 24 years <laughs> later the relationship yeah. um it's continued to evolve from those very early roots that you laid down when she was an infant right yeah. through her growing experience it's a beautiful thing yeah, i'm really sure. uh, I'm really interested to hear just for it. We've only got about ooh, 10 minutes left, but I know in episode one, one thing that I didn't get to ask you about that I yeah. might be really hard for you to recall. Cause I know this is a very long time ago, yeah. but we were, you were talking about how you tweaked and changed and tried lots of different things as she grew. Yeah. What were some of the things that actually helped you and your wife help her find sleep when she was tiny? Yeah, for sure. That's a great, great question. And I will dredge up my memory files from the, from the computer. Um, it's all well, right if they're a little blurry. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a few of the things that, that we did. So one of them was of course, nursing to sleep. Um, this was not the whole process, but it was part of the process, you know, and I still remember this, the, the half, uh, like the half circle cushion thing my wife would put on her lap and, uh, on the couch and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Vietz would like lay there and hold her. And it was a beautiful, um, beautiful thing, but she also really liked to be bounced. Um, so I would hold her in my arms and I would just walk around the apartment, bouncing her bouncy. If I stopped bouncing, she would start crying. And so the, we called it bouncy, bouncy. <laughs> even, even now we still talk about bouncy, bouncy. And, uh, and so the bouncy, bouncy was, but you know, it was like finding the, finding the, but we tried lots of things, right? We tried you know, carrying, we tried a bouncer thing. Um, we tried like play, like we had to find the, there was a physical component to it that was really important for us to find what, what worked. And then, uh, she also had, we also had this battery operated swing that she liked. So then we would, when, when the bouncy bouncy, she would start to like get into this, like more of a dozy state would come about her. Yeah. I'm, we're both kind of moving our heads like that. Yeah. I was like, I um, know what we, you mean. Yeah. yeah. We would put her in the swing, but if it was a little too early, then she would like immediately start to um, come back into her activated state. Right. And so. Had to be um, the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that was like, we had to have some patience with ourselves for it, but we, you know, it's, there's a, there's a, um, there's a, like when the, when the, when her, um, consciousness would get more activated and more, um, you know, like more waking up, then we would go back to the thing, the other things, like it would be nursing and then the bouncing and then the swing and the swing into the bed. She, she co-slept for, uh, for a few years. My wife and I were trying to remember, was it three years? Was it two years? Was it four years? We couldn't really remember, um, how long the co-sleeping was, but then we would all get into bed together. And there was like this beautiful feeling with the three of us getting into bed together 
and, uh, and nurturing the sense of calm and connection between us. And then the meditating was really helpful. I mentioned it in the past episode as well, but the meditating was super helpful for us. We would, um, meditate and, but I would, one of the things that I did also was I would talk to her in her sleep a lot of the time. I would talk to her and, and just say really nourishing, calming, uh, safety things in her sleep, especially since her little body was going through so much because of the medical stuff that I talked about before. I really wanted to help calm her nervous system as much as possible. Um, we would do a lot of foot massages on her, you know, foot and leg massages and hand massages. I found she really liked. And so I think massaging even little babies, like really gentle massages, um, can have an impact on the nervous system. And, and she really liked those, those things. So those are the things that, and finding the right music and the right soundscape was a huge thing too. You know, I recently had a parent who was trying to find the different something for her kid to fall asleep. And they settled on like this heavy metal rock thing <laughs> that, and that, they tried all this calming music. They didn't put the kid to sleep. And then they started playing like ACDC and Ozzy Osbourne. And the kid just fell asleep like that. They were like, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That yeah, kid's going to yeah. be rocking. I love that. Yeah, or maybe not. Sure. Maybe, maybe they will be asleep at the back of the game. Right. The right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How soothing for the soul, but hey, whatever works. Because that's, that's the thing, exactly isn't it? it. Like you, yeah. you're getting to know a little body and a little brain, and yeah. what they find peaceful and restful can be completely different to what you thought. And you yeah. can tell, like over time too, it really changes too what they prefer when they're very tiny. Definitely. Through to as they get older, did you find that, um, like, as she became a toddler, were there different things that helped bring? her calm at the end of a busy day? Yeah, for sure. One of the things was, so when she, especially when she decided to sleep on her own, because it was entirely her, you know, we, we, again, we were entirely on her timeline for those kind of things. And, uh, and, and so one of the things was evenings were, or bedtime was like a real question asking time. As soon as bedtime would come, she would start having all these questions. And I know that again, even in those days, people would say, Oh, she's trying to, she's trying to get you to not let her go to sleep and trying to get out of going to sleep. And, but we never saw it that way. I always saw it as like, you know, that's what her brain needed at that moment. You know, and that's what her brain wanted. That's the kind of connection she wanted. That's the kind of wanted, needed, wanted, needed both, you know, want yeah. <clears throat> a lot of, a lot it's of the times. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you a lot of the time, uh, people say, oh, is it a want or a need? And then if it's a want, it, somehow it has less validity. I never I saw it say, that way. Does it even matter? Like if yeah. it's going to help her wind down to sleep? Because that's the thing. Like I often, like if you can't debrief your day, sometimes you can't sleep. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, usually those questions yeah. are the last things on their mind. Yeah. And if you can actually work through those, I, I have a yeah. very avid questioner. My mm. second eye is heavy on the bedtime questioning. So nice. I, I definitely relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And bath time made a big difference. And even in those early days, every single night, it was a foot massage, you know, all of I think she was probably, I think she was probably as old as like 13 before she stopped wanting me to, to give her a foot massage at night, you know? And it was, uh, and I remember I was like, and there's another time I was like, are you sure? (laughs) 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 And uh, every now and then, like she, she'll have a sore leg or something and she'll, uh, and she'll say, dad, can you, can you put some like a vulture in on my leg or something, you know, like something to something to, uh, I got a cramp and I'm like inside, I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And she's again, she's in my mind, she's three all of a sudden. And I'm like doing that. And so those were uh, big things. And honestly, uh, you know, 
Carly, one of the things that really helped me through the whole sleep process was the mindset. You know, um, a lot of it was the, the, the practical things. And I think it's really great to have a whole lot of different practical things to try. And I always like to, I always like to have like, when, when I find something that works, I always like to have three or four things ready to try as soon as these stop working. Cause, cause like you said, kids are always changing, right? But for me, the mindset was the thing that carried me through for most of it. And the mindset for me, again, was wasn't so much about her sleeping in that moment. It was about her developing a relationship with her body and with sleep. And this was so important to me. This is the same with food and it was the same with hygiene and it was the same with work and uh, school and it was the same with relationships and communication and it was the same with thinking. It was the same with all those things. It was her relationship with those things, her capacity with her personal capacity with those things that I was caring about. And over the long term, if you th- and that's a long term process. You know, that's not a that's not a one month process. That's a multi year process. And I was always thinking in a multi year timeline. I always I was always thinking in decades of working to learn these skills, you know, and so thinking that way, it really helped me slow down and not take this night as a panic, because this night was my opportunity to one step in the in the work of learning to develop that relationship with with self with sleep, and to understand the impact of sleep. And to make choices around it, considered choices, depending on what I'm interested in or what's happening or what I'm listening to in my body or what's happening in my life, you know. And uh, and so I know, like for me, sometimes when I'm really uh, depressed or sad or upset about something, I'll sleep just to escape those feelings. And sometimes when I'm really anxious, I won't sleep, you know, until like four in the morning. And I don't think either of those things are wrong. I think they're just different ways that we relate to ourselves. And so when I when I would remind myself what you're doing right now is helping her develop her relationship with sleep, even when she would cry and be have trouble sleeping, I wouldn't think of it as a failure or wrong. I would think this is part of her learning, learning that, you know, and so I would always be able to um, shift when I would when I, I won't say always when I was able to shift my mindset from trying to get something to happen to the longer term development that I was, uh, you know, a part of nurturing, inspiring and supporting, it really helped me have compassion for myself and have patience with the whole process. And I think that's something that we work on um, still on a daily basis uh, for myself. I still remind, even as a 24 year old, you know, right now she's in her first long term relationship. She's been uh, been with her girlfriend for like a year and a half now. And they're planning to move in together. There's a whole different phase of life. And wow. even now, yeah, well, and we're doing apartment hunting together and we're looking for different things. And it's a whole thing where we're talking about budgeting and we're learning all these things that we've been all, you know, but I mean, we've always been kind of exploring and learning those things. And, uh, and so, and so I'm watching myself as I do it. I'm like, okay, Vivek, now remember, as you're looking for the apartment, what you're really doing is helping her develop a relationship with this kind of this aspect of life, you know, going out there, having to deal with people, having to think about money, having to sign a thing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So even now I'm still focused on that more, uh, the more relationship with self aspect of it. And, uh, and I think this is really, uh, the power the, for me, it's the most powerful mindset to approach parenting because it gives us that, uh, a broader perspective. 
I think it's really it, the power in it too is that it applies right across the lifespan. Like you said, like there's, there's, you know, there are unique challenges and things you face with your babes at different times in their life, but there yeah. is this overall mindset that can really help you make sense of the bigger picture while you're in the nitty gritty part, which, because that's the thing, like, especially with little babies, sometimes you're just up to your eyeballs in it and it's hard right. to see your way through, but there yeah. really is this bigger picture that's overarching everything thing you're doing with your little family and no one day is going to decide the outcome for your family <laughs> even if it feels like it in the moment <laughs> yeah, absolutely because it can it can just swallow you whole now i yeah. can't believe it but we're coming up to our 30 minutes already and yeah. so i'm gonna have to ask so we're gonna have to finish off i'm afraid but i would love if you've got one last tip you'd like to share with our listeners for this week absolutely one thing i'm going to share is um is to have a, a mindset of curiosity I love the word curiosity. It's so powerful. And curiosity, I, I practice a dance form called contact improvisation. And it's an entirely improvisational dance form. I love it so much, which means there's no choreography. There's no steps to learn. There's no music. There's no learn. You don't have to, you don't have to learn any, uh, anything to memorize. It's all about principles. And one of the founders of the, of the form um, <clears throat> had a saying that said, uh, replace ambition with curiosity. And I really like that. It really helps me. And I, so curiosity is, puts us in a, in a question asking mode, puts us in a investigative mode. It's, it, it leads us to the iceberg too, right? It leads us to the iceberg consciousness where we're looking under the surface at things. And so one of the things that I do is as soon as I, I come upon any kind of struggle is I start asking questions. I ask myself questions. I ask my kid questions and I start inquiring and then in a curiosity mindset doesn't have a predetermined answer to the question. That's the beautiful thing about it. Right. If I and ask my not kid, always an answer either, is it? There's not, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly there it. There is no answer. <laughs> Being okay with that is a big thing. Yeah. Right? That one's the killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And that's the beautiful thing about the curiosity mindset is it's, it's, it values just the experience of curiosity, the experience of, um, of ex exploration. And so when my kid is not sleeping or in, in some other way, frustrating me in some way, then I ask questions. I ask what's, what's happening for me right now. I usually ask about myself first because, uh, because that's unusual. We, I, we, we to go inward first, you know, and I really love that asking about myself, what's going on for me right now? What's going on for my kid right now? What's going on in the environment right now? What's happening in their body? What's happening in their mind? You know, a lot of the time, uh, a lot of the time we, uh, we, we, we have so many things that are happening in our mind that are from the past. At this moment, all of a sudden, it's uh, they all come together and and make a big explosion. You know, there are these videos I call it the watermelon analogy. There are these videos on YouTube where people put elastic bands around a watermelon. Have you seen this? Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Have you? And they yes. they put they put like one or two doesn't do anything because a watermelon is no. strong. But once you get yeah. three or four hundred elastic bands around a watermelon, and you put that one last elastic band on, and the whole thing explodes, and someone gets a seed in their eye, and there's watermelon flying everywhere, right? Yeah. And emotions are very much like that. We have elastic bands building all throughout the day, and little ones too, little things like the, their blocks, their, their tower blocks fall down. Um, they couldn't open a door. They didn't get the, the, they asked for the blue cup, but they got the red cup. And then, and we don't know, like, there's so many little things that build up. And then all of a sudden, like, you just say, you just say hello and they're crying or they're screaming at you and you don't know why it's because of the elastic band. 
That's exactly. Mm-hmm. It's really important with babies and toddlers and preschoolers, particularly. I find that because mm. that's it can seem like, and I know. And once again, this is a bit of self compassion because sometimes you just need to have a bit of a laugh. But when when it comes to little people, we often see people. Uh, I don't want to use the word tease, but it's like making light of the reasons why a toddler has had a meltdown. Right. And it, it's really just iceberg stuff where you're missing. Yeah. It wasn't about that one thing. Yeah. It's actually a whole collection of things that result. That was just the straw that broke the camel's back kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It set them over the edge. The uh, elastic yeah, band that it, exploded the watermelon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The elastic band. Uh, it's, the new, yeah. it's the new saying. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It is yeah. exactly how it is too. The pressure yeah. building, building, building until Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about realizing that is we can also help our kids with their elastic bands before it gets to that point. Once we're aware of it, you know, I, when I notice my kid have an elastic band uh, and our own too, like the pickle jar, I mentioned, you know, every time I I can't open a pickle jar, there's a little, a little bit of frustration gets lodged into my thing and uh, my consciousness and enough of them. uh, And my watermelon is going to explode too. So we can actually know, have uh, be helping our kids release their elastic bands when they come home from school, when they have a difficult experience, when they have a play date, whatever, we can help them release those elastic bands all throughout, uh, all throughout the day. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's releasing it. It's not trying to avoid frustration. It's mm. not trying to, you know, any of those things. It's actually just having safe outlets for our little yeah. people to let those feelings out, just like we need yeah. safe outlets to be able to let it out as well. So we're not also building that pressure over any day. So powerful. Really powerful. Thank you so much, Vivek. I feel like we've just got so much wisdom out of your two episodes and I'm oh, really grateful that we could take you back all those years. I know. <laughs> it was amazing. You did really well recalling all the things that you did and thank you for talking through with your wife as well to help you refresh. Um, yeah, because, it was kind yeah, of fun actually. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. And you can hear, I, I think that's one thing I'm really appreciating about hearing everybody's stories is there's this genuine tenderness when people mm. think back on those times, even mm. if there were struggles and real challenges, there's mm. this genuine tenderness for those yeah. memories as well, which is really special to hold on to. So thank you Beautiful. so much, Vivek. Yeah, my pleasure. Amazing. I really enjoyed our time together. Awesome. And I will be dropping all the links to your work into our show notes as well. So if you haven't already, go and check out Meaningful Ideas. And we already in the Beyond Sleep Training podcast, uh, in the Beyond Sleep Training project group, we regularly refer our people over to Gentle Parents Unite, the group that Vivek helps run with Sir Joe Johnson, because yeah. it's just a really fabulous resource for families, especially as your little people uh, grow. Because once they hit toddlerhood and whatnot, it the challenges really do shift and change from sure. the initial focus that we find people coming to our group yeah. for. And our admin team is like so wise and so powerful. Oh. They have, and they're very diverse. It's like most diverse group I've ever been with. You know, it's so, uh, it's so wonderful. I love being part of that group. It's pretty special. So thank you for the work that you guys do there because we Absolutely. definitely appreciate it so much. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Vivek. I'll let you get back to your day, but thanks for your time. Wonderful. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. 
And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well on our Little Sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. 